I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Well, it goes without saying that the past couple of years have had a lasting impact on the future of work. We've covered a lot of those changes over the past year and a half here on the podcast, but one of the critical areas we haven't talked much about is employee wellness. There's a lot of buzz about it, to be sure, and today we're going to do a deeper dive into emotional well-being programs. These programs cover more than mental and emotional health, yes, but let me go on the record by saying that mental and emotional health is something we need to spend more time talking about. We need to destigmatize it and make it okay to talk about. There's simply too much on the line, especially given what the past couple of years has served up. Everything from a global pandemic to the work from home that it created to political strife of all sorts, both at home here in the US and abroad, to shutdowns and job loss and a wild swing back to low unemployment. The ambiguity and uncertainty take a significant toll on emotional and mental well-being. Now, if you're an employee or a manager in most large organizations, your company has probably recently expanded your offerings of employee well-being programs. Adding online mental health services, emotional wellness programs, and even financial management programs has become commonplace over the past few years. According to the workplace research firm Gartner, 46% of human resource leaders said they obtained more budget than in previous years for their employee wellness programs. And 70% say they've made additional investments in those programs over the past two years. (laughs) But these programs are only valuable if employees know about them and use them. But alas, I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, if you're not familiar with these programs, once referred to as Employee Assistance Programs, or EAPs, now being updated a bit with the moniker to Employee Wellbeing Programs, thank goodness, Employee Assistance Programs seems to suggest that the employee is broken in some way. So I'm glad we're moving to Employee Wellbeing Programs as the name. Anyway, the programs include mental and emotional health offerings, such as therapy and counseling services education, and mental health assessments. Some of the newer services are app-based programs that you can use on your smartphone. They also have physical health programs that might include fitness education and fitness challenges, nutrition or healthy diet programs, ergonomic support, immunizations, and even on-site clinics. Financial education and community involvement round out the offerings of the more comprehensive well-being programs. From financial literacy to education on saving for retirement, companies are jumping in to help employees make sense of their financial position. And community involvement offerings allow employees to take paid time away from their work 
to volunteer at a cause that's important to them, or make it a charitable donation to a nonprofit and have their employer match that donation, essentially doubling it. Let me give you some real life examples of each of these. First, mental and emotional health. A client of mine shared her experience with me using the counseling services of her company's well-being program as she and her husband had difficulty conceiving. It was causing a great strain on their marriage. Now they did stay married. They didn't conceive naturally, however, but they did start a family, which now includes three beautiful adoptive children, the family they always wanted. The second example is of physical health. A friend of mine competed in a physical health challenge of the company that her husband works at. And that makes for an important side note. These programs are typically available not only to the employee, but also to their immediate family. So back to my friend. Her husband's company supplied her with weekly nutrition education and physical activity challenges, kind of gamified it, if you will, and also a scale connected by the internet to the program office. Yes, for her weekly weight. She was able to earn points from doing various activities and educational programs and earn points for losing weight. She lost a significant amount of weight, got healthier, and earned some cool prizes. Meanwhile, the company benefited in the long run because it's quite likely that she will require less medical care through her medical benefits from that same company going forward. The third example is financial education. Another friend's company ran a financial planning seminar in which outside financial planners came in and provided financial literacy and planning programs. Employees were invited to complete a net worth assessment with the outside financial planning firm at no cost. The company paid for it. And of course, no obligation to continue with this outside firm as a financial planner. My friend found great value in completing the net worth assessment and meeting with one of the financial planners. In fact, it changed the trajectory of his retirement savings to be far more aggressive as a result of realizing what little net worth he had accumulated at that point in his life. The fourth example is of community involvement. My husband has benefited from using the paid volunteering time that his company offers to help a charitable organization that he's been involved with for many years. He's also been able to use some of the volunteering time to help out at our children's school. And here's a fifth bonus example, legal services. Many years ago, when I was working for a large company, I got married to my husband, who happens to be Canadian. He was working in the United States on an H-1B visa. My company's employee assistance program, as it was called then, included legal services. So we were able to get him converted to permanent resident status, known here as green card status, without having to hire an attorney ourselves. That saved us thousands of dollars right there. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, 
there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, so now you know what it is, but why is it important? Well, in this tight labor market, organizations have to be sure that they are delivering value to their employees and not just a paycheck. Employee well-being programs not only provide valuable services for employees, but they are also a means to show that the organization cares about its workers. And you can look at this as two sides to the same coin. There's value for the employees and there's value for the company. Let's look at the company side first. In an effort to attract and retain talent in this tight labor market, you need to have as many perks and benefits as possible. Yes, wages still matter greatly, but employees know that that isn't the whole picture. When an employee understands that the company they are interviewing with has a comprehensive well-being program, they may see it as an opportunity to save money on services that they're already using by tapping into the well-being's program services instead of their own pocket. For example, if the prospective employee is already seeing a therapist and is paying out of pocket for weekly sessions that run in the hundreds of dollars, they could see massive savings if they were to find therapy through the employee well-being program. While these programs are costly to run, if the return on investment is tracked, most programs come out to be cost-effective as employees are able to remain healthy, physically, mentally, financially, and so forth, saving the company money. And quite often, turnover is reduced as well. Now, let's look at the employee side. All the examples I mentioned earlier clearly demonstrate the value for employees. In addition to those, in some cases, highly personal examples, there's also an additional benefit, especially for newer employees or employees who've been working from home throughout the pandemic who want to build relationships with others at the company. Because let's face it, it's often the case that your coworkers become your work friends, become your real friends. Employee well-being programs like yoga classes or pick up basketball at lunchtime or after work or online nutrition or cooking classes, well, those sessions give people a chance to get to know others in the organization that they might not otherwise meet. And out of that, my grow friendship. And strong and healthy personal relationships are another important sign of well-being. So how does this all happen? Well, first of all, it's not enough just to add programs. You have to let employees know that they exist and you need to make them easy to access. Make the user experience easy and intuitive, especially for the online components, of course. But mostly, make sure people know that these programs exist. The workplace research firm Gartner, again, reports that 96% of organizations say they offer well-being benefits and programs, but when they survey employees of those very same firms, only 42% of employees believe that their employer offers such programs. So only two in five employees even know that these programs exist. If employees don't know they exist, they certainly can't take advantage of them. And you also need to work to dispel any stigma that might be associated with using the program offerings. Make the programs well-known in the recruiting process. And if you're a job seeker, well, ask about those well-being programs during the interview process if it's not brought up. In addition to making them well-known, it's incredibly important for organizations to track the return on investment so that they know if they're working. 
from attracting employees to retaining employees and lowering healthcare costs. Well, those are just a few of the ways that the return on investment can be tracked. Gartner's research finds that only a mere 10% of human resource leaders are tracking the return on investment of their well-being programs. I can't stress this enough. Well-being is a key metric that organizations need to be tracking. A workforce that is physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially healthy is critical for attracting and retaining talent. When companies share tools and resources for employees to take charge of their own well-being, everyone wins. Now, here's my challenge for you, dear listeners. If you are a manager or in human resources, spread the word about your employee well-being programs, whether you call them employee assistance programs, employee well-being programs, or something else. Make sure people know about them. Find examples of how they've helped people. Share the examples widely. And if you don't have any of your own, share this podcast and the examples that I shared. And on the other side of the equation, if you're an employee or a job seeker, ask questions of your manager and your human resource business partner. Ask about employee assistance programs. Ask about employee well-being programs. Find out what your organization offers and how to access it. Even if you don't need any of these services right now, Find out what they are and how to access them. You'll be glad you did at the point when you do need them. And especially if you do need the resources right now, if you do need some of those valuable services, the mental health services, the emotional health resources, those in particular, get your needs met. Prioritize your mental health and your emotional health and your well-being and let your employee benefits package do its job. Now, that may be a lot to take in, and it's some big homework for you to do. Find out what your programs are. Find out how to access them. Share them widely. Share this podcast widely. Because I wish for you the most emotional health, the most mental health, the most physical health, the most financial health, all of the things that your employer's well-being program can supply for you. I wish that all for you. So until next time, truly focus on your wellness at work. Be well, my friends. I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.